Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Alexa Gagas, in for Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. The Rhode Island School of Design has a new president. Crystal Williams was officially inaugurated in October and is about to finish her first fall semester. She's joining us today to talk about her vision for the school and some of RISD's most pressing challenges. That's after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org slash weekly. That's ripbs.org slash weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Crystal Williams, RISD's 18th president. Thank you for joining us today, President. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. You've been officially in your role now for several months. Yes. So how are you settling into Rhode Island in general, but also into RISD? So I have been so busy at RISD that I fear I've not had an opportunity to really get out and about in Rhode Island. So people keep asking me, you know, how is Rhode Island? And I keep saying, I mean, I've been to Newport, <laughs> and um, I hear there's a place called Jamestown, and I <laughs> and there people keep sending me notes about this park and that park and so forth. So, I'm looking forward to the summer, frankly, uh, the summer of 23, when I'll be able to, I hope, get out and about a little more. And I'm settling into RISD just fine. What I have found is a community of incredibly enthusiastic, creative people. I think the student body generally is trying to figure out what to call me. It's very endearing. Some of our students call me Williams. Some of our students call me President Williams. Some of our students call me Crystal. Uh, And I suspect they're calling me other things that I don't quite yet know. (laughs) The students at uh, Reed had a a sort of... uh, a C-dub, they used to call me. So President Williams, Crystal, C-dub, what do you want <laughs> to be called? I want to be called anything that makes people comfortable. And that's important to me because, you know, some students come from cultures where hierarchy is important. And so the idea that I would want them to call me Crystal is anathema to who they are as cultural beings. What I often say to people is, I will answer to anything you call me if you call me with love in your heart. In your inauguration speech in October, you said specifically, the bigger story has to do with all of us and our readiness to amplify, evolve, cultivate, engage, and connect. Yes. What did you mean by that? 
I meant that the, the work of the institution, and I think the work of society, frankly, is to amplify talent, everyone's talent. So as an institution, our responsibility is to amplify the talent that comes to us and to make it possible for the most talented creative people to come to RISD, despite their financial background, right? And so there's work for us to do. We've got to go out and fundraise to make sure that, you know, a kid from Des Moines who's first in their family, who comes from modest means, right, but who is brilliant, like so many of our RISD kids are, can come and study and thrive. So we've got to amplify. Uh, And once people are on campus, we have to cultivate and evolve. So we have to cultivate a way of thinking and a way of teaching that does evolve over time, that is responsive to new knowledge that has emerged and is responsive to the world. I think it's very important that our curriculum does not place primacy on one kind of art and one kind of design. That is to say, in my mind, the art of Europe is as valuable and as valued as the art of Chile, as the art of Egypt, as the art of Iceland, is the art of, right, insert South Africa, That has to be the model of education going forward. Our world is increasingly interconnected and interdependent. And the people who understand that and have a way of thinking about history and knowledge, right, and making, are going to be the people who are going to lead us to the answers that we need as a society. I meant by connect that... Artists and designers by nature are people who are human-centric. I mean, you can be sort of antisocial as an artist. I, as a poet, am relatively antisocial. <laughs> so I understand that. But I am an artist and I'm a poet, a writer, because I fundamentally believe in the human, the human enterprise, right? I believe that we are interconnected, that we are interdependent, and I am writing into that belief. Certainly what I have heard in the eight months that I've been at RISD is that people on our campus and our alums deeply want to be more strategically and systematically connected to each other. So that connection then extends beyond just the RISD community, which is a global community itself, to our local community, right? And so we're asking questions at RISD and we'll continue to ask those questions. What does it mean to be an art and design school in a city that calls itself the creative capital? You also mentioned first-generation college students. Mm -hmm. I'm a first-generation college student. And you talked about providing access to higher education through fundraising, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Why is access to higher education for those who want it so important to you personally? I talked a little bit about this in the video that announced my appointment. I was adopted as an infant by my parents. My mother was a school psychologist, so her focus was on helping students with learning differences and disabilities 
My father worked in Ford's foundry during the day and was a jazz pianist at night. Grew up in a middle-class family, incredibly privileged, and had access to all kinds of things, travel, etc. And I don't know my biological family, but what we do know about them is that at least the paperwork said that I was given up for adoption because the family had not enough money to raise me. And so what I know is that talent is not relegated to a particular financial status. What I also know is that even someone like me, who's been a middle-class kid, highly privileged, traveled all over the world as a, as a young person. I have been granted opportunities time and again. People have opened doors, kicked down doors. So for me, this question about access and amplifying the most talented and hardworking young people who sometimes need nudges through the door, sometimes need to be kicked through the door, pulled through the door, but who have the spark that, to me, is a fundamental priority. I don't ascribe to the idea that just hard work does it. Mm. I think it's a pathological and very dangerous American mythology. It suggests that no matter how bright you are, that the structures around you are nothing if you just work hard enough. And what we know is that that's not true. We know that you can be brilliant and work hard and if you aren't helped, it still may not be possible for you to make your way forward. Right. And so RISD has to be a place that is not a structural impediment, but a structural amplifier. That's what we have to be. So you were considered a faculty activist while you were at Reed College in Oregon. Can you explain how you were given that title? Well, I wasn't given it. I made it up. <laughs> so, so... I got to read, I was the third black faculty member on tenure track in 2000, which already to me seemed strange. I looked around and I didn't see very many students from historically underrepresented racial ethnic groups. I did not see peers and colleagues who are LGBTQIA identified out openly, although some were. I did not see the institution talking about people with learning differences. There was just a kind of status quo and a kind of assumption that I found troubling. And I thought, it doesn't work to have this caliber of education. Reed is an incredible institution. And have there be so little diversity. Diversity adds to intellectual dynamism, right? And so I kept thinking, what would this institution be if you actually had many different kinds of people sitting around these tables, having these very intense conversations? It would only be better. It didn't work for me to be in that environment without trying to help make that vision be the case. And I didn't know how to do it by myself. And so I started looking around to other people and asking, are you interested? And people were. And then we just sort of started activating. And I started hosting things at my house. And we were under the radar sometimes and above the radar. And that's how, you know, you sort of make things go. I think generally my impulse, given how much... I have been given and how fortunate a human I have been or am is to try to make the thing better. <laughs> it's to 
almost always been the case. I'm always the person who's like, this can actually be better. And I think that that's because my mother and my father had as a fundamental principle to help and to help to amplify others. Right. You know, and this isn't the first time that you're on an executive level at an institution of higher education, but you're the university president now. So what is it like to be on this side of management when you're looking back 20 years ago as a faculty activist? (laughs) Um, What you realize, being on this side of the leadership table is institutions of higher education And institutions like RISD, highly matrixed, are very complex. A friend of mine is on, he's in the C-suite at a public corporation. And he joined the board of a college, a university actually. And he said to me, before I joined the board, I had no idea how complex a job a university president is. (laughs) He said, I think it's the most the most difficult position I've ever seen. Mm. And so to your question about what is it like, it's dynamic, it is challenging, it is inspiring because our students are so brilliant, and it is ever-moving. And you're also, as the president, thinking about the future of the institution and the future of the education Every decision that I make that is structural and strategic, I'm thinking, I'm trying to pay this forward so that Rhode Island School of Design, we're almost at 150 years. I want us to be here in another 150 years. Right. And when we talk about challenges, are there specific ones that you could talk about today that you're faced with while you're making these tough decisions with executive teams or the future, et cetera? So... Some of the very specific challenges that RISD faces, and I think of them also as opportunities, if I'm frank, we talked a little earlier about access. In order for us to ensure that the most talented individuals can come to RISD, no matter their financial background, we must raise many more dollars in order to support financial aid. Mm And we've been increasing our financial aid commitment year over year for the past several years. But we really have to increase by leaps and bounds. So that is a challenge. There are smaller things that might surprise people. For instance, most of our buildings are historic buildings, right? We've got these in Providence is a historic city, right? And we're right on the other side of the river of downtown. And so we've got buildings that are just, they're incredible to walk in, but they're also incredibly expensive to maintain. So you said last December that the school's efforts to diversify the faculty, staff, and students must be coupled by substantive commitments that are tied to metrics, to outcomes, and for people to be held accountable. Have you started that process at RISD? In the spring semester, we will start a one-year-long climate survey process, right, which is, uh, and we'll start with focus groups, and then we will build out a survey instrument that will really give us sound data and very granular data so that we have a good understanding, both qualitative and quantitative, about what is happening on the ground at RISD. 
in order for an institution to be radically inclusive, which is what one of my goals is, we need to be using a scalpel and not a mallet. The mallet only smashes and moves the problems out to the, you know, I mean, from using that metaphor, right? If you're, you know, hammering on a chicken thigh, for instance, I'm sorry to the vegans, but, you know, those of us who aren't, we do that. And what that does is it smashes the piece that's directly under the mallet and it just moves things out to the edges. Do you see? That's not what you want to do. You, in order, if, if what you want to do is create change, you want to make sure that you're addressing the problem. So you have to understand what the problem is, if there is a problem. And the other thing that we often don't do is use data to see what is working well. And then you actually analyze, why is that working well? And can that intervention or that series of circumstances that are creating um, good results be replicated elsewhere? Right? So it's not always problem solving. Sometimes it is the amplification of good practice, but you got to know where the good practice is. And that is also a data-informed question. President Williams, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so pleased to have been here. Thank you. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor. Follow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Alexa Gagas. Ed will be back next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all anytime and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.